Today we have a very exciting podcast episode, a very long-awaited one with my friend, my work colleague, and a fellow student at the University of Waikato. So kia ora, Hussein, welcome to the podcast. Kia ora. Did you want to give a little brief overview of a bit about you and what you're up to and what you do for mahi? Um, yeah, um, so at the moment, I'm currently in my last year of law studies, yay, um, mm. so three years of hard work, um, and I'm really privileged at the moment to be working at NR Lawyers in the um, Waitangi Tribunal team as one of their law clerks, which has been really, really exciting over the last, I think, six months now, or well over six months, um, which has been really cool. It's been an amazing journey to kind of get into the law space, um, and then prior to um, getting into law, um, I've worked um, in corporate, um, big companies all around the place, mainly up in Auckland, um, for a good decade before I kind of came down here to the Waikato to um, set up my own businesses in Tiamatu. Cool. So what are your businesses? Um, so when I first moved down, there was a really fantastic opportunity for um, myself and my business partner to open a cafe in Tiamatu in the um, Tiamatu Event Center slash swimming pool facility, which was a really cool opportunity because um, it was basically a blank canvas and the council was originally looking for someone to um, operate their cafe. And when we kind of stepped in, they um, really liked the vision that we had for it. And they basically asked us to design the cafe how we see fit mm -hmm. and they subsequently um, helped us through that process. Um, and we operated that for a good three years until we moved into the next phase of our business plan, which was always to have a second operation. Um, and we took a business that um, we saw that had great opportunity in Tiamatu and we um, turned it around and made it into a really, really fantastic um restaurant and we ended up owning that business for two years before we um, exited out of that with a great um, exit strategy out of that. Awesome so this sounds quite um, exciting and I guess you've probably had some really cool experiences running a business what got you started into this industry of um, running your own cafe or restaurant? Mm. Um. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, when I lived in Auckland, I, when I went to university, I did my, you know, my degrees in business and hospitality and, and it was um, really, really exciting um, time to get into the hospitality industry um, back, you know, in the early 2000s, uh, 2010s, sorry. Um, and um, back then it was, um, you know, really cool working up in Auckland, working at all these like amazing um, businesses and venues up there and doing really really cool things within the hospitality industry and and I kind of took a bit of a side move in my career um, where I moved into education for a little while where I went from working in a hospitality industry to teaching hospitality to students um, at AUT at AIS and a few other private institutes which was a really cool um, career move taught me a lot and but Growing up with a Fano up in Auckland that all operate small businesses um, and have for a very long time, it was almost like destined for me to get into my own um, my own business at some point. 
That sounds really exciting. What have been some of the highlights for you in running your own business? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think one thing that I've really really enjoyed is, you know, um, typically in hospitality, um, you generally hospitality can sometimes be stigmatized for having a really high staff turnover. And one highlight that I, I hold really close to me is that. In both of our businesses, which was the restaurant that we've sold since and the cafe that we've, we still own and we um, have operated for coming up to six or seven years now, um, is that we have held on to a lot of our staff. We still have staff that have been employed with us since day one. Um, we still and and generally staff stay with us for, you know, anything from two to four years, which is a really long time for the industry. Um, so that's definitely um, a highlight that I really cherish. That sounds like it would have taken a lot of work to be able to retain employees for that long. I remember um, the different jobs I've worked in the hospitality industry, and I can't say they've lasted that long. So what are your secrets to being able to retain employees for that long? Um, honestly, the I know this is going to sound really cliche and really, really easy to say but it's just like treating people for who they are which is people and not having a hierarchy so to speak at work so you know there are days where I might go to mahi and I might be you know doing rosters or doing orders um, but at the same time I'm also jumping on their coffee machine making people's coffees um, as well as doing dishes clearing tables and everything in between you know if I think it's like having that attitude of not only leading by example, but not necessarily like pushing shit downhill because you don't want to do it because you're the boss kind of thing. Um, whether it's maintenance, whether it's, you know, like literally taking out the rubbish, you know, it's like, I think when your employees see that, you know, you're no better than them kind of thing, it really instills a culture of we want to work as hard as our boss does, even though we have no skin in the game. And how have what what were the ways that you were able to learn the different things that you take into your business? Did you read books? Were you um, listening to podcasts? How did you learn the skills to be able to run a successful business? Mm. Um, I think the biggest reality check, to be honest with you, is um, obviously when I went to university and and you know you got taught about business and hospitality, you get you get taught it from quite an academic aspect and you get taught it by, um, you know, what's best by book practice. And, and of course you can imagine, you know, being a, at that time, being a 19, 20 year old, you know, student finishing their studies and going out on the workforce and, and expecting, um, you know, all these amazing business practices to be implemented. And, and that's not the reality. And you do get treated like shit. And you do um, go into a lot of difficult situations where you just don't agree with what people are doing or saying. And, and you all and I always wondered to myself, well, they taught us this in uni, and like, why isn't this being practiced in the real world? And so I kind of always made it my mission that if I did own my own business, that I would want to lead by example of what is the best practice for the situation, even if it's not the status quo. Mm. 
Bosses get such a bad rap for being, you know, like the stingy people that don't, um, you know, pay you enough and they don't give you time off work. And so I think it's really cool to see that there are some good bosses in this world. And whilst this is very biased, I guess we don't have any of your employees in here, <laughs> but um, I, I think it's a really cool thing to see. Do you think that your culture and where you've come from, your background, has any role to play in how you um, continue to be a boss and how you um, manage people? Mm. Um, I think definitely. Um, I think um, probably the closest people that I've seen in my life that have owned their own businesses have been like yeah, my whanau, my mum and stuff up in Auckland. And certainly like, you know, when I was a kid, when I was like, 14 13 14 15 years old working in their businesses and you know just doing what you do helping Fano out and you know going in and clearing the tables for mom or you know doing dishes and stuff for your uncle and this and that um I think what I certainly um what was you know what I watched during that time was my mum was very, very much similar in that you know she treated her staff like her family mm. and so there would be times where she would just close the business down and take her staff out for a picnic or go to Waiheke or something and and just do like you know little family days and stuff and she was quite aware that everyone that she employed were wahine everyone that she employed were mothers um and so if there were anything that certainly came up that was family related she was very responsive to that and never like played the blame game of you have an obligation to kind of come to work um, and very nurturing and supportive in that respect. And I think that, you know, like mother's, like motherly touch certainly um, influenced me um, as a man to mm. to really be um, aware of those um, those things that, you know, um, because if I'm, you know, in our business, at least in the cafe, I'm the only guy that works there and everyone that works for us are females. So um, certainly having, I guess, that, context of you know being able to work in a workforce um and being aware of everyone's needs and wants is really important when you're dealing with people that range from say 16 year olds that are in high school right through to um you know um our head chefs and stuff who are much more older people um, and much more experienced i'm really interested in how you make decisions in your business in the the ways that you're able to what kind of contributes to being able to make those decisions but I guess I think I'm more interested in how you started your business and you know like a business doesn't just appear out of nowhere so what were the steps that you took to be able to grow a business um, and to be able to be in the position you are in today? Um, that's a good question. Um, oh, I, oh man, there's, there's so many things I want to say to this question. I mean, let's start off with the cafe because I think, you know, the genesis of that is quite interesting. Um, you know, with the cafe I had before I came down to Tiamatu, I had a, um, I had a job up in Auckland, you know, got paid a salary and a really nice salary. I quit my job on a whim and came down to Tiamatu with, probably no more than $10,000, $20,000 to my name to open this cafe. <laughs> and obviously there was me and my business partner that we both um, contributed towards um, 
the initial capital um, to get this going, along with the help of um, the capital expenditure that we had from the council to set, set up this cafe as well. And we ran into a three-month delay right from the day one. And it's like we're sitting there twiddling our thumbs, being like, um, we were supposed to open in May, and it doesn't look like we're going to open in August. And we've hired all these people that we have contractual obligations to that we have to pay and everything in between. So before you've even opened your doors, you just like watch this like money that you started with in your bank account just like kind of dwindle and dwindle to almost zero. And you are like sitting there being like, we actually have no business right now. And we have no money coming in and we still have to pay for all these ongoing costs because of the damn floor that is wet and they can't do anything until the floor naturally dries. Um, so that aspect of it, of like almost starting out with nothing, certainly teaches you like resilience and it teaches you that you just have to grind and put your head down and just, you know, really... Um, make do with what the situation is so when we first started the cafe both me like we had really long operational hours so we were open from six o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock at night because the facility that we operate in is a gymnasium and a pool and a stadium and a physiotherapy and everything in between it's quite a large facility and so they operate much longer hours than that and we just wanted to try and gauge what the market was what the foot traffic was so we opened for about 13 hours a day and both me and my business partner we both worked Monday to Sunday seven days open to close for about three months without taking a day off um, you know just working physically in the business and then obviously doing all your admin and your orders and your rostering and everything outside of work so we were probably doing like 16 hour days for a good three months to just gauge ourselves before we even, and then we, and then we were like, oh, we can't do seven days. Let's do six days. And so we probably did that for a good another three but months. Balance. <laughs> exactly. But, and, and, and obviously, you know, at the time, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't have kids and I didn't have a family, but she did. And so she certainly sacrificed a lot with her three kids that she was, um, that she had um, along with her partner and everything else at that time to really make those sacrifices to be able to create a sustainable business that's still there, you know, six years later. Um, so that's, that's you know, um, when I say, so when I talk about that, like hard grind, when your back is up against the wall and you literally have nowhere to go um, and you've just signed up to a 16-year lease, you know, there's kind of no escaping the inevitable, which is just, you know, do the mahi. And what world did you think that, you know, starting a business, because I think a lot of people, we we want to wait until it's the right time, until we've, you know, got enough capital or whatever it might be. Being able to just, you know, quit your job and go with what you had, what made you do that? Um, good question. Um, I think at the time, I had done other business ventures in Auckland, um, things that were like in the background, things that I had consistently worked on for a few years. I'd done some consulting stuff and I'd done some product development businesses and things. And, you know, throughout those experiences, one thing that I certainly learned was that it's never the right time. Mm. You know, you cannot wait for something to be perfect because it will never be perfect and there will always be obstacles and there will always be 
something in front of you that will prevent you from wanting to do what you want to do whether that's capital whether that's you know structure whether that's the feasibility of something um but you have to start somewhere you can't have an expectation of starting at perfection because then you just have leave yourself no room for growth and I read that in some, I can't remember what book it was, but there was a business book that I read that on being like, you know, all these successful companies that have lasted decades, if not centuries, did not, you know, the, Apple didn't start out with, you know, the iPhone 15 or whatever is out now. You know, they they started out with something that we look at these days and go, it's almost laughable that this product came out like 15 years ago. Um it's the mere fact that they released that original iPhone that at the time was game-changing, no matter how flawed it was in today's time. Mm. That's really good and valuable advice. What's the best lesson you've learned since starting your business? Um, ooh. Be really mindful with spending money. Mm. you know um, be mindful because sometimes you you know make bets on the wrong things and obviously sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't but um, being I think strategic when it comes to spending capital in a business is really important I think people fall into this pit or into this trap sometimes where they um, will go and start a business and then they will start um, very quickly seeing how other people run their businesses and they'll go and get a big nice you know lease space and they'll go and outsource their marketing and they'll outsource all of these things to these companies and I've personally seen it happen time and time again where my own friends have started their own businesses and they've outsourced their HR and PR and everything else and it's very easy to do that because you think to yourself, oh, well, I'm strategizing and I'm doing this and this and I'm doing all the important stuff in the business. But you haven't actually made enough money to generate the um, income to support that at a preliminary stage. Mm -hmm. And if you are not familiar or you don't know how to do PR, how to do HR, how to do those like really fundamental basic stuff, then you need to go and learn that because my best advice to people is always know your business from the inside out. Know your accounting, know what the numbers mean. Don't go and get an accountant to help you. Get an accountant so that you can direct them on how you want things to look, not the other way around. Um and I think that's probably like some of the most valuable advice I can give is that you should be an expert or at least know every aspect of your business before you start outsourcing it. Because if you don't know what you're out, if you don't know what you don't know, then you don't really know what you're outsourcing. Mm. Mm. 100%. I'm learning so much from you today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, are there any tips or tricks you would give to anyone else wanting to start their own cafe or just a business in general? What tips could you give to them? Um, oh, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I certainly know that from my own experience, quite often we will get into this, um, we'll quite often get into this like bubble of, 
we know everything and everything is going our way but it's always really good to get the insight of just someone else that is able to objectively look at you know the what you're trying to do fundamentally and 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 kind of just go right I think you should perhaps consider this and here is my reasonings for it um, and a good example I'll share with that and the reason I say ask for help is when I was in Auckland a previous business of mine I had we were designing um, like technologically or tech, like women's handbags that had um, like technology built into it so it could like do lots of fancy stuff like charge your phone and this and that and we had so much technology that was built into like this like box that was embedded into this bag. One of the things we didn't consider at all was um, heat dissipation. And so even though we had an electrical engineer working for us and we had myself and our fashion designer and all these people as part of the business trying to develop this product, wasn't until we had someone externally that came in and you know had a chat with us and said, have you thought about heat dissipation? And I'm sitting there like, what the heck, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you've got all these like technological bits going into this tiny little box that has to do all these things like light up the bag and run like a touch ID kind of thing and, and also have a battery and you've got to charge that battery and this and that. What happens when that box gets hot? And I'm like, hmm, that's a, that's a good point. That's a really good point because this is like a sealed box, like kind of like an iPhone. Like there's yeah. no way you can open it or tamper with it once we've built it. And I'm sitting there like, I think we need to like think about the design and think about like some sort of heat sinks and stuff to actually mitigate that because the last thing we want is, you know, to have a fault. Because this was right around what makes this really bad is this was right around the time when those like, you know, the, that particular brand of phones was catching on fire and stuff because they had defective batteries it was right around that time so we were like all of a sudden having to change our whole design process something that took like what three four months to design and prototype just to make sure that we mitigate such a small factor mm. that's all really mm. good advice thank you for that and mm. if there is nothing else you'd like to share with our audience i'd like to wrap up is there anything else you'd like to share um, honestly, to the um, Māori millionaire whānau out there, um, all I can say is just, just try and get amongst it. Do something that you love and do something that you can start with whatever resources you have. You don't need to go and get a loan out or get into debt or go and ask, you know, mum and dad or, you know, anyone else for money. Just try and think of something that you can do with the resources around you and and just just play around with it and just see do I have whether it's a product or whether it's a service is there a niche for my market and if there's not then how can I differentiate my product or service to create that niche um and just go with it and just you know um get in front of people try and offer like if it's a service, you know, just try and offer it for free and 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 get some feedback and develop on that feedback. And maybe if you do that five times, you'll gain enough insight that you can charge for it and, and just go with it. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Hussein, for joining the Māori Millennium Podcast. I'm really grateful to have you on. And I personally learned heaps and I hope 
that those listening in have found value in what you're sharing too. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no, thank you. I feel truly, truly honoured um, and really special to have been invited onto this. So, yeah, no, awesome. Thank you.